Uh, praise the Lord. Hey, I just want to mention uh, that you didn't get the memo that it is Hawaiian shirt day. And uh, I just want to officially declare this the summer of Hawaiian shirts. So all you people that love Hawaiian shirts uh, that have been hesitant to wear your Hawaiian shirt on a Sunday, I want you to bring out the best you got, okay? All right? All right. We, we're, and really, this is all in support of my son, Eli. Uh, I do see a few Hawaiian shirts this morning, which is great, but Eli loves Hawaiian shirts. And so I decided to make him feel less of a weirdo, I was going to go ahead and wear some as well. <laughs> hey, we're wrapping today uh, our Happily Ever After series, and i uh, got a special thing next week, and then we're going to jump back into the book of Acts. So I'd encourage you to uh, maybe start reading in chapter two of the book of Acts. We're going to jump in on Father's Day, and all the fathers or all the guys that are here uh, will get a gift. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but it's spectacular. Uh, so if you want to, if you're a dad or a grandpa or just a, maybe just a man, maybe, I don't know, we'll see. Uh, we'd love you to, to be with us on Father's Day. It's going to be a great day. How to, how to help your kids live a happily ever after. How many of you would love nothing more than for your children and your grandchildren to figure out how to live happily ever after? Amen? And I don't mean the Disney fairy tale because we know that doesn't exist. We know from a few weeks ago that those fairy tales have, are very different if you read the original versions. Uh, so I'm not talking about where everything is perfect and nothing, you know, everything is awesome. I don't know why that just came in my head. Uh, sometimes things come in my head and it just happens. I'm not talking necessarily about that. I'm talking about when trials in life come, when difficulty happens in their marriage, uh, when they have trouble with one of their kids or whatever through life, they lose a job, that they have the spiritual strength and tenacity and power to move through those things and live victorious. How many of you want that for your kids? Amen. Most of us do. I think probably all of us do. But in America, we're facing a real crisis, not only with marriages, but with the children that are saddled with the difficulties that are happening in marriages. More than 60% of all divorces occur for those under age 30. And what that means is many young children in Gen Z, what's the new gen, gen called? Generation Alpha, is that what we're calling it? The new generation that's coming up, all these little kids that we have running around, and we have a lot of little kids. Uh, I think we have all combined in our, in our kids' areas over 100 kids every single week. Uh, give or take, that jump in and join. And it's a powerful, powerful ministry. They're hearing from the Lord. There's good, good things happening in there, which is why we need more volunteers because we need to expand. So if you want to be part of a powerful, growing ministry, maybe you should consider that. But uh, those kids are being affected by uh, the societal premise, uh, 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 what, I don't know what the word is, but propensity, that's the word, for divorce and for marriage troubles. Many young adults live lives scarred by divorce. And I just want to say, like so many of the kids in our, in our nation now are growing up with two parents and different households and now step-parents and step-sisters and brothers, and it's just kind of become this very, very difficult and kind of weird situation that we're engaged in because many years ago we decided to abandon the idea of traditional marriage and traditional family. Economically, it's ruining the lives of many young people. 
They're having to pay child support or alimony, and many of them are leading the way in bankruptcy. Many ladies live as single parents, men live as single parents, but absent fathers is still a deeply, uh, it's deeply affecting our culture and disproportionately some of our minority communities. It's a big deal that's happening because of the breakdown of the family. Living with mom and dad in different places and now living with grandparents. We have more grandparents raising their grandchildren than ever before in the history of the world. Emotionally, it's ripping people apart. So if we're gonna turn the tide of culture and divorce. If we're gonna deal with it, we've got to start with our kids. I went to El Salvador many years ago to do ministry, took uh, 27 teenagers. I do not recommend that. We took 27 teenagers to El Salvador and uh, the whole ministry in El Salvador with Don and Terry Triplett was targeted at young people. They, were tar- they had churches all over the nation of El Salvador full of little kids and teenagers. No adults. Like the whole thing was kids' church, right? That sounds pretty fun sometimes. And that's because they knew if they could reach the young people, they could change the nation. Now, I just want to tell you, television producers know if they can reach your children with ideology, they can reach your children with cultural things that they would like to instill in them, they aim those things at our kids. It's not, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say, it, the homosexual and transgender activists know this. They are working to indoctrinate our kids and change the way that our society views and thinks about morality. It's invading our, they're using public schools, they're, they're using mainstream entertainment, even at Disneyland. And I say that because I want you to know our kids really aren't safe anywhere. There's all kinds of things that are being said and taught to them that are unbiblical and immoral and wrong. I'm not, that's not what this sermon's about, but I'm just going to say it. The music industry know, knows this, that if they target the kids, if they can get kids, their goal unspoken is to get kids as young as five hooked on pop music and rap music and all these other things that say the thing. I mean, it's amazing to me some of the things that is in our entertainment industry. So what do you do in this crazy world? How do you navigate it as a parent, as a grandparent, as a person who just wants the next generation to know the Lord. How many of you know we're never more than one generation away from, from the absence of the spirit and the presence of God? If we don't, and the Lord knew this, he said, teach your children, tell your grandchildren about the great things that God has done. If we don't perpetuate it in, a, in the next generation, Christianity will cease to exist. It's a true statement, and it's happened in other nations of the world. Here's what the Bible says, Exodus chapter 33, and I I just kind of love this, how it starts. One day, just, you know, one day, Moses said to the Lord, I just just think that's so cool. Like, that's the kind of relationship Moses had with God. One day, hey, God. Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, take these people up to, the, up to the promised land, but you haven't told me who you'll send with me. Like, how's this going to work, God? You've told me I know you by name and I look favorably on you. But if that is true, that you look favor, favorably on me, let me, look right here, let me know your ways 
so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. How many of you want your kids to have the favor of God on their life? I want more than anybody in this planet, except maybe my wife, I want the hand of God to be on my children so that they have favor. I don't want everything to go perfect in their life because it's in pain and it's in suffering and difficulty that we grow and we change, right? But I want the Lord's hand on them at all times. So what's the, what's the best way to do that? Well, it's to teach them the ways of God. Just like Moses is saying, let me know your ways. Teach me your ways, O God. Remember that this nation is your very own people. And the Lord replied, I will personally go with you. And here's the promise of the Lord. I believe this is promises for every believer because God is omniscient and, and, and uh, not only omniscient, he is everywhere at the same time, right? How many of you know that? Did you know the devil's not everywhere at the same time? When you stub your toe on your car tire, it probably wasn't the devil. Because he's not everywhere at the same time. But Jesus is, God is with us at every moment. He says to Moses, I'll be with you and I'll give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. That's that, everything's gonna work out for your good. And so Moses says, God, if you don't go with me, I don't even wanna go. If you don't go with me, God, I don't even wanna go. Don't you feel that way in our culture right now? It's like, man, when we're raising kids and we're trying to figure out how to navigate this thing, whether your kids are young or older, you know, if they're young, you haven't, you haven't necessarily hit some of those interesting ages where you're really gonna have to fight, you're really, right? Come on, I see parents going, yep, you don't even know what's coming. Yeah, because there's so many things that are happening. But the promise is that even in those seasons of life, those navigating seasons that we go through, God's with us, he's not left us, and he's still got a plan. He's still helping us and figuring this out. He says, I'll give you rest and everything will be fine. And Moses said, if you don't personally go, I'm not going to go. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me and me on, on me and your people if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people apart. Man, it's the presence of God that sets us apart. I want my kids to know the presence of God. I want my kids to experience the hand of the Lord on their lives. And you know, the truth is, I want your kids to have that too. So top seven ways to help your kids live a happily ever after. Are you ready? We're going to do points in reverse, so maybe it'll go faster. <laughs> top seven ways to help your kids live a happily ever after. Number one, teach them. Number, no, I'm sorry, number seven. See, I already messed it up. Number seven, teach them. You know, the reality is if you do not teach them, someone else will. If you don't take the bull by the horns and take the risk and teach them the things of God and the ways of God, if you don't model that before them, if you're too weirded out to do that, if it's too big of a task for you or too much of a chore for you, I have very sad news for you. Somebody else is going to teach them other ways. And if you've not deposited in them the good things of God, then the bad things or the wickedness of this world will overtake whatever you've put in them. If, all, if you leave it to our kids' ministry, as awesome as it is, if you leave to our kids' ministry to raise your children, if you leave to Pastor Mark and Ashley to, and the youth leaders to raise your teenagers, you're gonna find yourself in a lot of pain at some point in their life because the wickedness of this world will overtake. You must teach them. That's not a lack of faith, that's just a reality. 
You must teach them. They need to know from you about God's view of marriage. Matthew 19, some Pharisees came to Jesus to trap him. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife? Jesus said, haven't you heard the scriptures? They record from the beginning, God made male and female. Can I just say that's loaded right there? But you know what? Your kids need to know from you. Certainly not from Nickelodeon or Bluey. I'm amazed my teenagers watch Bluey. I don't even know what to think about that. How many of you guys watch Bluey? Lift your, okay. Case in point. God made them male and female. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother to be joined to his wife. The two are united in one. Old Testament says they become one flesh. They're, They're no longer two, but they're one. And what God has joined, let no man separate. Then why did Moses say in the law that a man could give his wife a written of divorce? Jesus said Moses permitted divorce only as a concession because your hearts are hard. Now, if you've been divorced, I'm not throwing shade at you. I'm not, try- I'm not mad at you. God is not even mad at you. But I just want to say this. It wasn't his first plan. It wasn't his first plan. And so just because you might have experienced that in your life and it might have been painful and detrimental, whatever, all those things doesn't mean it needs to be repeated in the next generation. Teach them how God feels about divorce. Teach them what that means. Did you know that if you've been divorced, your children have a 50% more likely to face divorce in their own life? So I just say, all I'm saying is, turn the tide. Just because you've been divorced, you've walked through it, turn the tide. It doesn't have to be repeated in your children. Teach them what God thinks. Jesus replied, Moses permitted divorce as a concession, but it was not what God had originally intended. It was not what God intended. Malachi chapter two, for I hate divorce, says the Lord. And what he really means there is he hates what divorce does to people. How many of you have seen divorce rips people apart? The word itself means a ripping or a tearing of flesh. And if you've ever experienced it, whether you or someone you love or someone close to you, you recognize that is a pretty accurate description of what divorce does to relationships. To divorce your wife, Malachi says, is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven's army. So guard your heart. Can I just make sub point seven? Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Hebrews 13, four, give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. First Corinthians seven, two, but because there is so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. Revelation 19, nine, and, and, and this is in here because I want you to see how God really holds marriage and the idea of marriage, the covenant of marriage in such a high regard that he equates it to his relationship with the church. He says, the angel said, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the lamb. And he added, these are the true words that come from God. Those of you that, come, that go to the wedding feast of the lamb where the church, the bride of Christ is wed or married to the lamb. That's how the Lord equates it. He didn't pick any other kind of relationship, father and son, father, mother and daughter, whatever. He picked a marriage relationship to demonstrate how God feels about us. Teach your children or somebody else will. Number six, this is going to be interesting. Guide them. 
guide them. Here's what I mean. If there's ever been a practice that has as much to do with the divorce rate in our culture as anything else, it is the current American culture of dating. So if you're going going to fix the divorce problem, we're going to have to fix the dating problem. So listen, teenagers, statistics show you people that are obsessed with other people of the opposite sex. One, I'm glad you're firing on the right cylinders. Two, listen to me. Come on, parents. The first time your kid comes home and goes, I really like blah, blah, blah. You're like, woo. Praise the Lord. And I'll just tell you, many, many Christians today, but I won't say why, many Christians today, including pastors, are facing the difficulty of walking with their children through homosexuality tendencies. It's a, it's a serious crisis in our country. So I say it kind of as a joke, but, but it's a big deal. So listen, teenagers. I see you guys in the back lurking over there. You listen too. Statistics show that the earlier a child begins to date, the more likely they are to engage in sexual intercourse before they're married. Engaging in sex before marriage also increases the likelihood of divorce. So do you see the, the, the connected dots? The earlier a child begins to date, the more likely they are to have sexual intercourse before marriage, and the more, those that have sexual intercourse before marriage are more likely to experience divorce. A study published by the Journal of Adolescent Research found that among those who did not begin, listen, you're not going to like this, but listen anyway, did not begin single dating until they were at least 16 years old, only 16% of boys and 18% of girls had sexual intercourse by high school, by high school graduation. That percentage, though, rises to 71% of boys and 90% of girls if they start dating by seventh grade. And you think it's cute that your junior higher has a girlfriend. So, Eli, help me out, buddy. <laughs> the average American, just stand over there. Thank you. The average American in this, in this generation, Gen X, Gen uh, Millennials, I'm sorry, Millennials and Gen Z have an average of 7.2 sexual partners before they're married. 7.2. Girls actually have 10 and boys have about six. I don't, that's weird to me, but whatever. So I need seven girls to volunteer right now. We're not going to do anything weird. So one, two, three, four, five. You can't come, Abby, because that's weird as your brother. One, two, three, four... Five, Zoe, come on, come on, come on, come on. I don't have time to wait for you. Let's go, let's go. Come on, okay, we'll just, we'll just go with five. We'll just go with five. Zoe, you gotta go down to the end. Okay, no, come, no you're way too far away, like right here. Like right here. Are you excited? No. I can tell. <laughs> girls, girls, come on, get in a line, get in a line, get in a line. So let's just say that this piece of duct tape is Eli, okay? And duct tape, I don't know if you've ever noticed or not, but it's pretty sticky. It can fix anything. How many of you knew that? You guys know that? Okay. We've got a little redneck in us. 
So duct tape, uh, this is Eli's life, and Eli decides, uh, don't do this, by the way, but Eli decides he's going to have multiple partners. He's going to do what culture says and go explore life and go find out what he likes and what he feels and what he thinks would be good and whatever. So he first comes to the first girl and stick that thing on her. It's nice. Oh, that's nice. It's good. It's nice and stuck. It's nice and stuck. But she decides he is way too hairy for her, and he takes off the, okay, you can, you can be done now. Then he comes comes over here to this other girl after he licks his wounds and he sticks his tape on that and you know that's you know that's good they have a nice relationship but that ends cuz it's you know it's just not going to work out so then he moves on to the next girl and he's like oh you're really pretty and she's like you're really handsome and i like your hawaiian shirts and and they date for a while but then that that doesn't work out either so he moves on to to this girl and you know, the same thing happens. Aren't you excited? I mean, you know, he's a good looking dude. He's big. All right. Okay. And he breaks. Then he meets the girl of his dreams. And this girl, I'll tell you what, she is everything he ever wanted that he didn't know he wanted. And he decides, this is a girl for me. I want to be with her the rest of my life. And so he sticks his tape on her. But by now, it almost has no stickiness to it because it's stuck to so many other people. I'll give you, let me give you this example. Let's pretend, let's pretend it's the other way around. And these two, no, just hold that. And these two people have, have saved themselves for marriage, have guarded their heart. They've listened to their parents and they've done the right thing and they meet each other and they're like, oh, and she swoons and it's all good. And they take their duct tape the way it's supposed to be. And they, and they, they get married and they're pure and their, their hearts are right. And how many of you know, pulling apart duct tape that stick together, stuck together, pure, you almost can't do it. Not without ruining it, right? That's why when God says divorce is a ripping, that's what it means. I will destroy both of these pieces if I try to rip it apart. But if you do it right and you stick together like that, <laughs> what? So let's just say, let's just say, let's just say that this is Zoe and Zoe you know, dated, uh, dated some, now she didn't date me, but come here, Mark. Come here, Mark. Come here. Come here. I need you. I just need your shirt. I just need your shirt. So, you, you know, she dates, she dates like, like what Eli did. And she, you know, she just, she just picks up all the, the stuff from all these other boys and her soul, just like Eli's soul is tied to all those girls. Her soul's tied to all those boys. And then they meet each other and it's like, oh, she swoons. It, it's all the same, right? And they get together and you stick the duct tape together and, you know, and it's stuck together. Something goes wrong. It's, it's, it's not as hard to tear apart. There's still a ripping, but I can get this off much easier. Now you're in shreds. Why? Because the American dating set, what America tells us we should do that is normal for relationships creates nothing but chaos and destruction. So mom and dad, thank you very much for your, your time and your energy. I appreciate you. It does nothing but defraud. And that's a technical term. Defrauding is bringing up feelings in your life that cannot be fulfilled. That's why the Bible says in Song of Songs 8.4, promise me, women of Jerusalem, do not awaken love until the time is right. 
It almost breaks my heart when I see parents of little kids, you know, just kind of like giddy and laughing like it's a cute little thing when they're second or third graders, you know, is date, I don't know how you date in second grade, but you know, is going steady with this other second, third grade and parents are like, it's almost like it's their goal because it's cute. Can I say you're setting your children up for destruction Song of Songs 28, 26, he who trusts in his own heart, and by what, what that means, teenagers, teenager, I'm gonna wait till you're all listening. He who trusts in his own feelings, he who trusts in his own feelings is a fool. You can't trust your feelings when it comes to that lovely person of the opposite sex when you're 14. Sometimes when you're 17 or 18. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but he who walks wisely will be delivered. Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fools despise wisdom instruction and instruction. Why am I saying that? Because some of, listen, guys, some of you will be like, oh, that was nice. I don't really care. I'm going to run out, you know, and do my thing and whatever. And I just want you to know that Proverbs says you're a fool. Your parents speak something into your life and they're trying to talk to you about dating or about this person they're not sure of because man they just don't feel like they they fit the the mold they they don't they're not cut from the same cloth as you you know that just doesn't fit right everybody know understand what i'm saying They, they don't they don't fit right and you're like but i love him you're a fool you know why because nobody loves you more than your mom and dad And nobody wants your happiness and your success and your fulfillment and your advancement and the favor of God in your life more than your parents do. Nobody. So as your parents guide you, I always tell my kid, you need to let me finish that phrase before I ADD to the other one. Uh, As your parents guide you, you need to listen to them. You need to listen to them. Even if they're not saved. I believe God gives even unsaved parents discernment and wisdom to lead their kids. Now, if they give bad advice, ungodly advice, unbiblical advice, that's a different animal. Okay. But listen to them. Listen to them. They care about you more than anyone. I don't remember what the ADD thought was. So we'll just move on to number five. (laughs) Number five. As your parents guide you, teach mom and dad, teach them, guide them. And number five, tell them the truth. I'm sort of concerned how many parents these days are afraid of their kids. They're afraid to tell mom and dad, we're afraid to tell our kids the truth because we've bought into the societal lie that if we tell them the truth, now you need to do it in love, not with like, uh, you know, it's got to be done the right way. But we bought into the societal lie that if you tell them the truth, you will push them away. That's a lie. Tell them the truth. Societal, sociological studies show us that living together before marriage increases the risk of divorce by 50%. Cohabitation, people that cohabitate have higher levels of conflict, physical, emotional, and sexual abuse, and violence. 
Plus, their overall level of happiness is lower than those that wait to live with their significant other until after marriage. There's an article called Shacking Up is a Bad Idea. And it says that those who live together before marriage are twice as likely to divorce than those who don't. Despite this reality, in this culture, couples are brainlessly deciding, that's not my word, that's the article's word, brainlessly deciding to be roomies without rings. In 2000, so this is 23 years ago, 11 million Americans were unmarried and living together. Do you know what it is today? 20.2 million. We've doubled the number of Americans living together outside of marriage in 20 years. Oh, but society says it's a good idea because you got to figure out if you can live together. You got to figure out if you like one another. You got to figure out, you know, if we, you know, does he throw his underwear on the floor? And, you know, does she leave her stuff all over the sink? Yes and yes. I can solve that for you right now. But what it does is it makes it easier, and this duct tape illustration as well, as you have more and more sexual partners and more and more dating relationships, it makes it easier to call it quits. So I just want to implore you, mom and dad, stop being afraid of your children. Even if the risk is that you would push them away, wouldn't you rather take the chance to help them correct course then leave their course to the world, their friends, and our culture. If I'm going to lose them anyway to the world, I'd rather risk it on this side than guarantee it on the other. But here's what I've learned about this generation. Gen, Gen, what are you, Gen Z? Gen Z and Generation Alpha, more Gen Z, because they're the ones coming up into age now, this generation is starving for somebody to tell them the truth. They're starving for somebody to have the guts to speak the truth and love to them. Unsugarcoated. Oh, I know that's not what we hear on the news. We have the loudest screamers out there, but that's a very small fraction of this actual generation that want the truth. They want to know what God says. In fact, did you know that Gen Z has a higher church attendance ratio than even the the builder generation, which is the greatest generation? They're the ones who go to church. Like, they go to church. They're there if the janitor's cleaning the the foyer just to watch him and make sure he doesn't miss anything. (laughs) But Gen Z has a highest, higher uh, church attendance and engagement ratio ratio than any generation in history. Why? Because they're starving for somebody to tell them the truth. Tell them the truth. Number four, help them commit. Help them be committed people and help them prioritize their commitments. Here it is, Ecclesiastes 5.5. It's better to say nothing than to make a promise and not keep it. James 5.12, but most of all, my brothers and sisters, never take an oath by heaven or earth or anything else. Just say a simple yes or no so that, so that you will not sin and be condemned. In our society, everything's disposable. When our kids get dissatisfied with whatever it is that they've been involved in lately, we just like, ah, we'll just let you quit and move on to something else. We had a rule in our house. And the rule was, Chloe, What? 
You have to finish what you start. So guess what? If you want to play t-ball because you're all excited about it and you get in, you're throwing the grass in the air and picking up dirt and whatever, and you're bored, you know, because they didn't bring the right snacks and I just don't want to go anymore. Guess where you're going? You're going to t-ball. If you don't like something in life and there's a trend among millennials and Gen Z or older Gen Zs called quiet quitting, where they just simply walk away without saying anything, without talking. Why are you looking at me like that? They just wander off as if no one will notice and they pretend. There's another word for it. It's called ghosting. And ghosting is what you do when you're offended at somebody, but you don't want to deal with it. Ghosting is what you do when a relationship has shifted and changed and you don't want to have the, dif- the difficult conversation. And so they just ghost. Guess where they learned how, how not to have difficult conversations? Thank you, mom and dad. Well, look, we got to do better. We got to do better at those things. But it's a thing of commitment. It's teaching them commitment. In the last several decades, we've had everything our way. You don't like your job? Well, just quit and get a new one. You're not getting good grades at school? It's probably the school's fault and probably the teacher's fault. It's certainly not the kid's fault because they're geniuses. Church isn't feeding you? Ah, just go find a different one. Too many parents, and I'm going to say this lovingly and kindly, and it's going to help Pastor Mark. Inside, he is going to leap for joy. Too many parents want their kids diagnosed and prescribed something. Too many Christian parents, and I'm not saying that never happens. Don't misunderstand me. But too many parents simply want their kids to be diagnosed with something and prescribed with something rather than actually be a parent. When I was young, you may imagine when I was a little boy, I was a little bit much. <laughs> shocking. Somebody said shocking. And my mom tells the story of, you know, I mean, that's, that's a lot for my mom. Now she brings Isaac home and she's like, it's like deja vu, you know, but in real life. And uh, I, I, I've heard her tell stories about how the doctors and the school, the school counselors and, you know, pretty much everybody wanted to put me on Ritalin. And my mom advocated for me and refused. Not because it's not some kids that need medication. There certainly are. And I'm not trying to say that there aren't. I'm saying don't take the easy way out. My mom refused and I'm thankful to her that she did. She'd always say to them, he's just a boy. <laughs> And they'd be like, you don't spend all day with them in the classroom. My desk was right next to the teachers. But I'm thankful, looking back now, how she protected me and advocated for me and parented me instead of diagnosed me. And I think that should be our first step before diagnosis. What am I, how am I parenting in such a way that is helping them or enabling them so that they can be stronger and better at what they're doing. Do some kids need medication? Thousand percent yes. I'm not saying they don't. Do some kids actually have diagnostic things? Absolutely. But it shouldn't be our number one thing. I, 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 parents are, I just, there's too many parents running around trying to find somebody to diagnose and prescribe something for their kids so they can just breathe. So you're doing it for you. Don't do that. 
Lead them, guide them, help them be committed people. Number three, refuse to pay. Refuse to pay. What do I mean? Don't pay for their wedding unless they do premarital counseling. I got a rule in my, in my life. I have a rule in my life as a pastor, and it's this. Uh, if you don't uh, do premarital counseling, I will not perform your ceremony. I just won't. You don't have to do it with me, but you got to do it and prove to me that you did it, or I won't perform your ceremony. I have a rule as a, as a father. If you don't do premarital counseling, and preferably not with me, because that'd be awkward, uh, I will not pay for your wedding. I will not help you go on your honeymoon. I will, not, I will not do it. Why? Because statistics tell us that for every hour you spend in premarital counseling, you add one year of marriage to your marriage. That's statistical. So is it a guarantee? No, it's not a guarantee, but it's a statistic. So here's the verse I, I, I chose for refuse to pay, Proverbs 24, 6. So don't go to war without wise guidance. You get it? Come on, that's funny. Don't go to war without wise guidance. Victory depends on having many advisors. If you, and, and I want to say too, if you think you can go to premarital counseling and now you've got marriage all figured out and you don't need to keep working on it in order to maintain that victory, you're fooling yourself. You've got to keep it up. Number two, we're almost done. Pray for them. Moms and dads, Pray for your kids and their spouse. Pray for the person that they will marry. John 14, 13 says, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the son can bring glory to the father. Luke 12, 32, so don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom of God. Nobody wants your kids to live happily ever after more than God. Nobody wants your kids to avoid the pain of divorce more than God. Nobody wants your prince to meet someone else's princess more than God. So Paul says, let your request be made known unto God. I don't suggest you say, make him tall, like a like, uh, 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 fiddler on the roof. Make him tall, and if he's got some money, that'd be good. And, you know, like, I just think, God, make him godly. Make him, you know, don't get your daughter's list of 37 things she wants in her husband and pray that list as a prayer point, you know? I'm not suggesting that. I am suggesting lift their name before God. God, I don't know who they're going to marry, but Lord, I pray you'd protect them, and you'd guard them, and you'd help them to know you. And if they're in an unchristian home, you send a friend in high school, you send somebody to love them enough to tell them about Jesus, that they would grow in their walk with God. Cause I don't want my daughters or my son to marry not heads. I want them to marry people that love Jesus. So pray for your sons and daughters. And I just want you to know if they're older and you're like, man, I wish I'd pray for them. It's not too late to start praying. And lastly, number one, show them, show them. You can teach them, you can guide them, you can have lots, you can barf lots of words onto them, but if you don't show them how to be a man of God, a woman of God, if you don't show your grandchildren how to serve the Lord with gladness, if you don't demonstrate what it is to have a relationship with God and what it's like to live under the blessing of the things of the Lord, if you don't demonstrate it, how else will they learn it? How else will they know it? 
Children whose parents were divorced are 50% more likely to experience divorce themselves. In the first premarital counseling session that I do, we spend a lot of time talking about how our parents have influenced us in our lives. So I say that for this reason. If your marriage was always kind of like contentious and difficult and you never demonstrated those things to your kids, you never lived it before them, there's a lot to unpack in that session. And I can't tell you how many young ladies and young men have sat in one of my offices, I've had many offices, have sat in one of my offices and cried their eyes out because mom and dad did not live for Jesus at home the way they said they did at church. And the danger is, if we don't undo that, it will be repeated. It will become a generational norm. So show them. So if you're married, you guys can play. If you're married, figure out how to do conflict resolution. Stop brushing it under the rug and letting a few days pass, pretending like it didn't happen. Stop just separating yourself from it, but actually learn how to fight fair and work through conflict together. Treat one another with respect. Teach your sons how to treat women and teach your daughters how they should be treated. Stop arguing in front of your children. Stop dropping the D word as a threat. I mean divorce, if you didn't know that. Amy and I made a commitment before we got married, we would never use the word. It just wouldn't be spoken in our home outside of the context of teaching or talking about other people or whatever. But in us, it would never be used as a weapon. It would never be a threat. It would never be a, a thing. And we've had some doozies of fights. She doesn't look like she can fight. Baby, she can fight. <laughs> and, and, and we've said harsh words to each other as all married couples have. We've certainly gone around and around, but I'll tell you the one word that's never been thrown around as a weapon is that one, ever. You can do the same. <laughs> and I like this. Do what it takes, work to make your marriage sizzle so that it doesn't fizzle. I worked on that all week, okay. But if you're divorced, listen to me, if you're divorced, because I know, I know that's a painful thing and I know so many people have walked through that and, and, and too many of us feel like, man, I just, I can't, I, what, what can I say to them? I messed it up. What can, I, what can I teach them? What can I say? Whatever. Whether you're remarried or not remarried, can I just give you a couple things? Talk to your kids about the mistakes you made. Don't mask it and pretend like it was all their fault or whatever. Own your stuff. Talk to them about the mistakes you made. As they get older even, be very honest with them so that they don't repeat it and cause a pattern to be birthed in your family tree. Don't be afraid to talk to them about your failures and where you're, they already know your failures. <laughs> like, it's not gonna be a shock to them. So don't pretend. Research and learn about the effects of divorce on children. Pray passionately for them and for their spouse. 
Don't blow them off when they wanna talk to you about it, even if they're talking to you about the pain that they experienced through it and you, you struggle with that because no parent wants their kid to hurt. No parent wants their kid to hurt, right? So they may come to you with that pain and they struggle to come to you because they don't want you to feel like they're blaming you. In fact, it's more likely they blame themselves. But when they do, let them come. Talk to them honestly about it. Let them, and bring them, bring them back to the word of God and the, pre, and the presence of God. And last thing I'll say is in second marriages or third marriages or whatever marriage you may be on, plot a different course. Decide to build a different road than you built previously. I wondered how to end this service and I landed on this. I wanna ask every young person who's 20 years old or younger to come down front. So get up and come right now. Come on, come on, come on. Get with your siblings. If you have siblings in the room, get with your siblings and spread out all across this room. So get with your siblings. Come on. Come on. 20 or younger. 20 or younger. Spread out. Get with your siblings. Like, <laughs> let me help you out, guys. Mark, help me, help me. I'm not a youth pastor. Okay, you gotta, you gotta have the individual. So move around, move all the way down to the door, all the way down to the door, cause we're gonna do something. Silas, come over and join my family. Cause you're, oh no, is your mom here? Your mom's here. Okay, that's fine. You're by yourself right there, dude, right here. Let me help you out right here. Okay, good, good, good. All right, you boys look confused. Okay, good, good job. Are you good? Right on, right on. Okay, how many of you have kids or grandkids up here right now? I want you to get out of your chair and I want you to come behind them. And we're gonna pray for this generation. Moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas. Now I'm gonna give you very specific things to pray, okay? Not because I wanna dictate. If you do not have a parent here and you're here alone, join another family, okay? You are hereby adopted for today. So I want you to, I don't, listen moms and dads, I don't want you to pray your preferences over your kids, okay? You have them, let's all be honest. <laughs> you have things that you want for your kids. I don't want you to pray that yet. I want you first to declare the goodness of God and the favor of God over their life, okay? Not yet. I want you to declare that he is for them and not against them, that no weapon formed against them will prosper, that God is beside them, he's with them, all these wonderful things. I want you to declare that over your kids. Okay, everybody with me so far? Okay, then I want you to pray for their spouse, for them and for their spouse. I don't think they're married because they're under 20. If there's any of them married, pray for their spouse anyway. I want you to pray for their spouse and I want you to ask God all those wonderful things that they would know the ways of the Lord, that they would understand his ways. When you do those two things, then you can pray your preferences over them. But I want you to not correct them, but speak blessing over them. Does that make sense? I don't want you to be like, God, they're being such an idiot in math. Please, Lord, for the love of God, you know, get them to clean their room. I don't, I don't want that. I want you to pray blessing over them. Speak, listen, for some of them, it'll be the first time, Dad, they've ever heard you proclaim blessing over them and they need to hear you speak it. Does it make sense, everybody, what I'm asking? Okay, if there are grandparents here, you're welcome to come too. 
Let's all stand to our feet if you would, because it feels weird with you just sitting there. And I want you to, listen, I want you folks, I want you to pray, stretch your hand while we're praying, pray for these moms and dads, pray for our next generation. If you've got, you're a young person, young married, you've got kids coming, pray for your kids, pray for their spouse, whatever it takes. Ready? Let's go. Pray the favor of the Lord on their life, pray the blessings of God on them.